Hey, listeners, you're listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Nightmare Junkhead! With Genius McGee and Greg D. I'm Gigi Saul Guerrero from Lucha Gore Productions. Ah! Gore is love, baby. Weaving in and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that knows what goes on behind the green door. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're raking up some shag carpet and ending the first round of our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament as we travel back 40 years and break down the horror classics from our 1977 bracket. But before we go any further, gang, let me remind you we're a part of the ever-expanding Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes, along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts, at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junkhead in your iTunes or SoundCloud app, hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your 70s, what the fuck hole. <laughs> and there is a lot of what the effery going on here. Yes. <laughs> but if you are in the Kansas City area, before we travel back 40 years, I want to remind you here that this episode should be dropping down on, let's see, 17. 16, so it should be on the 14th of April, okay. right before Easter weekend. Ah, uh, Easter's. Yes. So, yes. And if you're horror fans, you know there are plenty of things associated with Easter, mm-hmm. um, including our Monday Mystery Movie Night for Nerds of Nostalgia. Yes, so with, Easter horror leftovers. And this one is this one is straight up your recommendation, <laughs> yes. your movie. Mm-hmm. So if you are in the Kansas City area on April 17th, please come down to Screenland Tapcade. It is all free, mm-hmm. guaranteed a good time. There's going to be a fun... Uh, Food and drink special pairing. It's it works perfectly with <laughs> yeah, it. And it honestly, this is a film that I haven't seen in quite a long time. Oh, I, I, I love this movie. This is this is <laughs> this another is comfort food level uh-huh. one for you. And obviously, if you've ever listened to the ones that we do live, they're they're a lot of fun. We get you involved, uh-huh. and you know we will have prizes to entice you, all that kind of good stuff. So make sure you're checking it out. Screenland Tap Kate on the seventeenth, and we actually just the night we're recording here on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Previous night we had the opportunity. We hung out and watched a couple, couple of my movies. It was really fun. Hey there, JC. Yeah, yeah. we uh, we attended Carpenter Fest 2 yes. at the Screenland Armor. Uh, it was, uh, big. first movie was Escape from New York. Mm-hmm. Then it was Big Trouble in Little China. Mm-hmm. And then it was They Live. That's such a remarkable three movies. And it was a really cool lineup because the way they had originally programmed it is Escape from New York is very much a middle finger mm-hmm. to the government. They live is very much two middle, middle fingers, fingers, you know, to right. politicians, government, to the fact that actually nada ends. It was the middle finger to everything. And, and just and big trouble is just so much fun. Well, it was a great sandwich because you yeah. got very earnest, serious carpenter on on the you know the beginning and end film, and big trouble is just so much goofy fun. <laughs> it is. And you also got the two sides of Kurt Russell, which was fantastic. The the kicking ass and taking names and then the buffoonery. <laughs> And the crowd there was extra special. It was a great People crowd. People that were really enjoying Carpenter films. And they knew the answers to the trivia, the deep cut trivia Even the question. deep stuff we had. Right. There's sometimes that we host where we ask a question and then it's just like, 
crickets, just blank stares, and we're like, okay, let's move to the easier Sometimes we're under the assumption that everyone has our knowledge base, which they do. A lot of people do. Right, but this one, they're like, yup, DeVille's. Yeah, Vanilla Twist. A lot of these people knew exactly what the answer was before we got them out, Mm -hmm. which was great. So it was a lot of fun uh, seeing all three films like that, and also just being able to get up and talk to people and, you know, hype them up. That's Mm -hmm. what we love to do. Plus, Greenland Armor is a fun place to see a It's a great place Mm -hmm. to see a flick. So the Kansas City Horror Club, definitely uh, uh, represented while we're there, which was a lot of fun, but it was a great. Um, he's hinted at a Carpenter Fest three, uh-huh. which might it'll probably happen in Shocktober, I would imagine. Probably, but he was talking about doing some of the deeper cuts, like some next level Carpenter, uh-huh. <laughs> which I hope that he does. Hey, so out there, listeners, if you if there's yeah. certain Carpenter films that you'd like to, that not the obvious ones, right? Some deeper ones, so because you know, everyone loves Halloween, right? Everybody loves the thing, yeah. So let's see if it, let me see how many people out there have love for Christine, have love for. Uh, the Fog, Prince of Darkness. Fuck, we've got love for Ghosts of Mars. Someone out there Someone had love for Ghosts of Mars. Wasn't our friend Dustin no, either. And I was like, you're my peeps. So <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to Eric Havens right, uh, earlier during the thing, and, and we were talking about it. And I was like, yeah, we can show Ghosts of Mars. She's like, yeah? And I'm like, I love Ghosts of Mars. He goes, really? And I go, yeah, dude. Fucking, in all earnesty, I, I think Ghosts of Mars is great. You know, and I we I rewatched it for our Carpenter <laughs> retrospective that we did so many years. Probably two years ago, right? Maybe rewatch it again, but there is the latter day Carpenter that's a little hit and miss. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not the Ward. But no, I mean, no, it's definitely it's like Ghost of Mars. It's the problem is there's just so much potential, and I think he was just so burned out from the whole yeah. Hollywood studio. Turn stuff sometimes. Just give me a couple of days off. Just let me do my thing. Give me some MDA 2K, and uh, he's gonna right. be good. So, uh, yeah, it was a blast. Always encourage, and also just the the opportunity to see things in the theater. This is the first time I got to see Escape from New York on the big screen. Oh, Nice. It was rad. It was so good. I, I teared up a few times. Uh, it was just so much fun. And again, that shared experience, hearing people react. Uh, yeah. Big Trouble heard some gasps. Uh, just the, the the laughter that's elicited. It's just so much fun. And it's always fun to see they live on the screen. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is more prescient now. Both of those, Escape from New York, in terms mm-hmm. of the police state, and they live given the fact of corrupt politicians and, exactly. you know, influence from afar. But flowers. And <laughs> yes, that was the best part, too, is the fact we had a buck flower sandwich, basically, <laughs> with escape and they live. Everything you need for a good carpenter exactly. fest. So thank you, everyone that came out for that. You know, continuing to, to support that. We've got uh, some other stuff that's coming up here in the Kansas City area as well. Some of it uh, horror associated, some of it not so much. But you know, follow us along at Nightmare Junkhead on Facebook and Nightmare Junk on Twitter. Mm-hmm. We'll keep you afoot of all of the shenanigans that we have going on. And Most definitely. S- speaking of shenanigans. Uh, we are we are in the month of April. Yes, we're still doing March. Yeah, we are still doing yep. March, and that's because everything is just so jam-packed, you guys. You know, just actually getting through the initial opening round would have taken an entire month. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to continue to promise a commentary a month from 1987. So as we meld into the, uh, from March into April, just expect more great episodes that not only include us. Right. We got a nice bevy of guests coming Yes, we in, do, and, and that's going to be starting next week, actually, mm-hmm. uh, once this one drops, because... Uh, let's see here. Let me get the trusty calendar out here. So our 77 episode will be dropping on April 14th. And then uh, the round of Scream 16 and the Frightful Four, those will start then on the 21st. In fact, anticipate our 1987 episode yes. on the 21st. Coming soon. Yes. In which we uh, talked with the uh, horror cast and the F This Movie podcast. So it's mm-hmm. fantastic. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. And speaking of all the good stuff, man, we've, we started in the 80s and uh-huh. made our way forward. 
waiting because it seemed like if we were starting from the beginning, it would we would have started from seventy seven. Yeah, uh, but it also would gave us time to see some of these movies because of course we love the eighties. We can talk oh, wax and stuff when we grew the 80s up all the time. But I th- I think if you go any further than the eighties, you might be a little bit hard pressed to have these memories of movies and stuff. And so it was good to see a lot of these movies again. And it was good to see some of these movies for the first time. And it turns out there's a reason that we don't rewatch a lot of the stuff from the 70s. Because the 70s was fucked up. It was a fucked up decade of of movies. We've talked about watching these films, kind of seeing horror transition decade by decade. Uh-huh. Good Lord. The nihilism on display with the films we watched. The, the, the depravity, the vulgarity, the just heinous heinous acts that we've seen in these movies and it's interesting enough because i definitely feel that you know good horror does represent the time it was made in right and if you think about mid 70s late 70s in terms of the united states which is we actually have some good international Mm -hmm. play in our 70s bracket but if you look at the filmmakers that were producing the material it is a direct reflection because you got to think number one we have still kind of the post uh, watergate fallout right so a, a vast mistrust of authority mm-hmm. of the people that are supposed to be taking care of us we still have that we had the gas shortage and then people were trying to figure out where they're going to get all their money to do that we had a, the rising middle class oh yeah we huge uh, unemployment rates uh-huh. uh, economic disparity yep fallout from the vietnam war so the united states at this time was in a lot of upheaval. Mm-hmm. Basically almost eating itself alive. Which which is very good lord, let yeah, me tell very you something prominent in a lot of these movies that we've seen. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of eating in this movie. A lot of consumption. A lot of a lot of odd eating. Just everything is so bleak. We were talking off mic. I don't think really anything that we saw had really an optimistic or upbeat ending. No, everything was dour. Either dour or batshit bizarre. There was no like it, there's, they're like, oh, it's a happy ending. Nope. <laughs> probably the closest we get to that, and we'll talk about it with Hasu, is <laughs> and the fact that Hasu's ending is the closest to a happy <laughs> ending we get. That that should that, tell you a little bananas. bit about the. Yeah, <laughs> it'll tell you how just how crazy this bracket is, and so you know, actually putting in putting together the bracket for seventy seven was a little bit more difficult, just because there is some. I'm going to say there's a few in here that some will say, no, that came out in 76 or 78 in terms of distribution, but for mm-hmm. our purposes, we did yeah, with so. the 77. So we do have eight films to get through here from 1977. We do have a really good representation. Um, we were able to pull internationally. Also, one of the things I really like about 77 is we have representation of four of the horror masters yes. in terms of filmmakers. So that being said, what bracket do you think we should go ahead and start with there, Genius? You know what, since it's fresh, let's start from the bottom with the Sentinel versus Hausu. Excellent. So uh, the bottom bracket there, it's kind of a dreaded domest- domesticiles, if you will. Right. Haunted houses. Haunted houses. Uh, so again, in terms of the rubric that we're gauging and uh, discussing these films is we're looking at three things. We're going to look at how well they represented their bracket in mm-hmm. terms of representation. Uh, we're going to feel, we're going to look at the nostalgic feel that mm-hmm. we have for the films and then the tiebreaker is what did the films contribute to the genre right. in terms of what's more important so yeah oh my goodness that's so the rubric <laughs> we're starting <laughs> off with probably i is this the most batshit insane bracket we yes, have i would have to say this is the most what the fuckery it real there's what the fuckery it, abounds so we, with we, this we one. got haunted house bracket sub bracket what the fuckery 
So, so which, which one should we start? Should we start with House or the Sentinel? Let's do Hasu. Hasu. And it Hasu. depends on how you pronounce that because House always ultimately gets lost with Ding Dong, You're Dead House. 1986 House, which right. let me tell you is far cry from what we're getting <laughs> yes. with 1977's House. Yes, there's no cats. So uh, direct it, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation right. here, Nobuhiku Obayashi. Uh, Obayashi. Uh, this is such an interesting film. We This is one that took me a long time to see initially. Me too. Um, it wasn't until I probably caught it on DVD, not even the VHS days, mm-hmm. during my time when I was living in Lawrence. I had a really good uh, mom and pop video store, uh, Liberty. Uh, there's actually a movie theater and a rental place. And so they would have the big like five for five dollars for five days kind of video rentals. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go in and I would just get everything that I knew I should be watching. And they had the Criterion Edition. Let me retweet that. How Sue, a yeah, horror uh, film, has a the criterion, criterion edition. A, an odd, nonsensical movie. Yeah. How? So let me well, ask you, maybe, how do you... Maybe it would be... Maybe... I think this is one where it does lose a lot in the translation. I think this is one where it definitely... The horrors of the culture mm-hmm. are more affecting than the horrors of just random, scary stuff. Well, that's what I like about international films, like you said, is they do put it through their own filter. Right. You know, what is scary here can be scary there, but from a different perspective, mm-hmm. different context and what have you. And how Sue really gives that because it is basically playing on an old fashioned ghost story. Right. In oh. terms of a haunting. Haunted house. But through a crazy Japanese filter. Uh which more than crazy Japanese filter. Um, you have uh, flying asses. You have projectile vomiting cats. You have pianos that eat people. Uh-huh. You, you have old lady vampire ghosts. Um, you have banana men. But the watermelon man that turns into the a the banana, banana man. But yeah, so... I, when when we, we hosted it, yep. um, I says, okay, I want everybody to tally... If you can, how many times you go, what the fuck is happening? How many WTF moments do we have? Um, I got one (laughs) that I literally counted each tally mark, 152 what the fuck moments. Now, was that your own tally or was that 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 was was everyone else? That was somebody else's. It's unreal. Well, what I like about both of the films is that technically they are dealing with the loss of a loved one mm-hmm. in Hausu's case it's the main protagonist she lost her mother she's dealing now with a father and a stepmother mm-hmm. she goes to then spend some time with her aunt Who's, in this crazy house yeah with all cat. of her in her cat and all of her schoolmates and what I really like about Hasu is with all the little housemates and her friends is they all are kind of representing different tropes yeah, and they even call themselves like you're the very sporty girl, and you're the action girl, and you're the soft cooking. It was almost one. like Spice Girls back in the day, uh-huh. just by representation of a trope. But you do have that, and so. But what I also like is the fact that they then each get to kind of like flex their own little muscle, right, in terms of their usefulness. And that kung fu girl kicked a lot of kung fu ass. She did, which yeah. is so funny to look at. It's so with How Sue, it is a horror film. But it has so many other elements. Action, that some weird action. There's some comedic elements. Fantasy elements. Exactly. Um, just very dreamlike elements. Uh, very uh, where you're you're questioning your own 
your own mental state when you watch this movie. And this is a film, I think, that really rewards you in a big theater with a big crowd. A lot of people going, what? Yes, to actually, because huh? there's so many times you're going to, like, did I see what I thought I saw? Right. You need to look around to verify yeah. and validate your feelings going, what is this? It's like, did that picture just bite that chick in the ass? Yes, it did. You know, like, yeah. Well, also what's pretty rad about it is the fact that the special effects, it's really an inventive art house horror film it is that's why it's got its criteria collection a criterion collection because you'd be hard-pressed to find any movie remotely like that nowadays um mm. at least with like especially back then yeah where it was just so weird the special effects were so what is going on they're very in, they're inventive uh -huh. which is what i really like and it's much like with evil dead 2 we talked about how it's kind of an art house horror film as well in terms mm -hmm. of the way it's directed the shots the sound editing same thing with house sue just the various like the various filters they're putting on uh, the the, uh, the kind of the animation if you yeah. will that, that exists within the world <laughs> like when they're driving on the bus and everything's like a happy like try ichiban Ramen noodles, you know, it looked like one of those old Japanese commercials. commercials. It really I half did. expected to see like Arnold Schwarzenegger. To <laughs> show. Well, even like all the shots of the skylines are all just distorted and not look. They don't look real, mm -mm. and like weird matte paintings of Mount Fuji. You but, know? And, and blatantly but, you know, fake, but you're still like a bad matte painting you'd find at the Goodwill. At the Goodwill, yeah. you know, just one of those like got it for two bucks, man. Come right? on now, <laughs> put a frame on it. I'm classy. That, well, that's what I think. What's interesting with this film is when we watched it. I think it, it can be a divisive film because it is different. It is yes. weird. Yes. If you think of traditional horror, this ain't it. No, not there's, at all. There's rivers and pools of blood. Um, people die. Quite literally. Yeah. There's suicides. Mm -hmm. There's deaths. There's ghosts. But is it their traditional horror? No, I would have to say no. And that's why I think this is an interesting pairing with the Sentinel. Mm -hmm. And we just we just, just finished watch the Sentinel. Watching the Sentinel, which if you haven't seen is a Michael Winner film and if you're familiar with Michael Winner, it's because he did just a few years before, he did the original Death Wish. Hey, Pally. I'm going <laughs> to make a movie about ghosts in a house and lesbians. Good lord. How do you describe the Sentinel? <laughs> A fever dream. Very, much like with Hao Su. A fever dream, yeah. Hao Su is a cartoon fever dream. It's like if you had a bad if you had a bad cold and you decided to take mushrooms and watch Cartoon Network's Toonami, yeah. you would probably get, or, or, or Most Extreme Challenge, oh God. you would probably get Hao Su. On the flip side, if you took a whole bunch of opiates and you're super sick, and you decided to to watch like beyond this, uh, like a house by the cemetery or something. Right, some of that early Fulci. Yeah, then you would get the Sentinel. This and with a lot of weird religious overtones. You don't know who's the villain. You don't know who's who's not. You it, don't know what is real and what is not as well. There's um, you don't know what's happening. No, and like you said, I I was continuously like, okay, these people are good. These people are bad. Uh, this guy's the hero, this guy. I mean, it all centers around the model, but just that the wacky who's who cast of of character actors that came into play. I mean, you got Burgess Meredith being like a creepy Leslie Jordan. You, <laughs> Look it up, kids. Right? You got Beverly D'Angelo diddling herself it, with, with in front of a house guest after her Russian lesbian vampire roommate that looked like Carol King. 
You know? And we're not making this up. This is like a literal description, you guys, right. of the craziness that exists right. within the Sentinel. Um, you have uh, penguins and cats and naked old men and big women eating cake. And you have... Black and white cat. Black, black and, and white, white cake. cake. But it, and you, <laughs> you have suicide attempts and you have William Hickey breaking into like the most complex Jesus safe there ever is. William Hickey showing up was probably the best moment for us because we were like, wait Whoa, a minute. It's the blessing. You know, and it, we both said, damn, he, we were going to say he looks young, but I don't think I've ever, I don't think, I think he was born old. He, yeah, just came you out know, the reverse Benjamin like, button. Ben, yeah, exactly. Because even in the 70s, he looked like he was 90. <laughs> you know, I'm going to break into the safe. He's got the Abe Vigoda thing, unfortunately. <laughs> like, looked like he was in the 70s back in the 50s, is, unfortunately. Right? <laughs> so, but then uh, Jerry Orr back shows up right and there's so and jeff goldblum's in it christopher, christopher walken, walken is in it miguel ferrer tom, tom berenger shows up at the end exactly and a lot of these people that they're just kind of just walk-on roles cameos because they don't drive it but the, the narrative itself is kind of cool because i got a very fulci vibe from this me too and, and it's scary it's there's some genuine scares in this one we both the uh the initial scene when she when the when the father's hiding behind the, the door, door. Yeah, that and he was like, do little like, Whoop. That reminds me, is it the house on Haunted Hill with the lady when she's like going and she like glides by? And yes, she's like, yes, that's what I think yeah, they were pulling from. Mm -hmm. Legit scare. It was really. It we was both responded scared, like, woo, like woo. And then the old priest in the window. That was that was very creepy. Listen back to the last episode if you want to hear my thoughts on people <laughs> staring out the window. <laughs> no, I thought it was really, because technically it's basically the Sentinel is a guardian. It's a guardian to the gates of hell. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, there's just this rotating cast in terms of how they're chosen, right. how they're gathered. And it's almost like an initiation they're putting him through. Because mm -hmm. the idea is these dead people are trying to coax her into killing herself yeah. to open the gates of hell. And so it's really, it's wacky, it's crazy. I get, I had the Fulci vibe. Uh, but in terms of pairing them together, man, they're just so different. Different. It's almost going to be hard to put them through the ring. Well, and that's the thing, though. I think we get the different sensibilities in terms of how they were filmed, who made them, and so forth. You get the basically the international filter. Mm -hmm. And so with this one, man, it's tough to kind of break them down because I think both, again, How Sue has a goddamn Criterion edition. Right. Granted, so does it has Chasing Amy and Armageddon on there. So, you know. <laughs> But, but I think know. it's pretty rad that in terms of re horror representation within Criterion, you get Hasu because it is one of those films that it's not a dare film because it's not any. No, it's not. It's not, not violent. No, it's not. It's not gratuitously gross. It's gratuitously weird. Mm -hmm. It's got a lot of weird sexual undertones, but a lot of it's well, some of it's in your face. The well, cake sure. stuff's in your face. Yeah, but like a lot of it's not. It's not like. Eh, you know, no. like, look at it again. Eh. Well, almost like the way the Sentinel is as well. And, and there's there's hardly any blood. No, in the in 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 the actual there's Sentinels a little yeah, bit more. But yeah, but in, in Hausu, it's water with the, yeah, and a lot died. of the kills are still off, off yeah. screen. Um, Hausu, there was really nobody. I mean, in Sentinel, nobody really got killed. No, I mean, no, except for uh, the dead. Right, were, a lot of dread, a yeah. lot of, and really, you know what? Really good special effects in the Sentinel. I thought so too. That when Chris Sarandon's head kind of like cracks while he's mid talking, mm -hmm. I thought that was a dope effect. But those like, I hate to use the term freaks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the ending of because that is very controversial in terms of because you mentioned uh, Todd, Todd Browning. Browning. Yeah, it's the first thing that came up. So at the end of the Sentinel, the gates of hell are slightly open, and the den denizens of hell are coming out. But it's not like demons that you would no, think. No, it's like. 
people with deformities. People. Yeah, deformed people. And like a lot of them that you would see originally in Freaks, uh, The Mutations. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of some films that use utilize those people. So right. let me ask you this. Do you think it was this was exploitive? No, I, I mean, it, not like Freaks. Mm-hmm. They weren't the main characters of well, it. And in Freaks, though, they're technically they're the good guys. They're the though. good guys. But they weren't like, hey, look at the freak. You know, and in this one, they weren't, hey, look at the freak. I just think they probably didn't have enough special effects money. Mm-hmm. So, like, hey, let's get nature's special effects. Yeah. I know that sounds bad, but. No. Like, as we've mentioned it before, Rick Baker's great. You know, Stan Winton's great, but God. God is the, God is the ultimate special effects artist. <laughs> so, that being said, let's go ahead and. Through, they were put... kind of scary. Oh. I mean, I definitely felt like, like, you know, just because the whole, like. At the end, not because of their deformities, mm-hmm. a little bit because of the deformities, if we're going to be honest. Sure. But um, also just like, come join us and the goobble gobble one of us, you know, and then have Burgess Meredith lead them. He's quite the ringmaster. Yeah. And those, and then the them freaky lesbian vampires and them cake eating people. Uh, There's some genuinely disturbing imagery in both yes. of these films, and but they both serve different <coughs> purposes. So let's go ahead and put them through our rubric here. In terms of kind of the uh, the dreaded domestiles, you know, in terms of a haunted house, which mm-hmm. one do you think better represents Ooh. that whole that whole area within the bracket? They're both really representation of a good haunted house movie, right? Um, but I'm going to say. I'm going to say House Soup. For the simple fact, one, the name is House. Yep. And two, before we watched The Sentinel, I thought we were watching the Klaus Klinsky one. And so when this happened, I was like, oh, wait, this is the one it was one I was thinking about. So, yeah, I'm for, for representation of the bracket, I'm going to go um, House Soup. House Soup. I'm going to go the same House Soup as well because in terms of the bracket itself, you know, the, the Sentinel, it's not necessarily a haunted place. It's on the gates, the of, gates the, of hell. Kind of like how uh, Sunnydale is, you know, a hell mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it is, you know, a haunted house, but by definition, house, house is, is truly haunted. haunted so I would definitely go with house as well for mm-hmm. the representation of the bracket. Now, in terms of nostalgia mm-hmm. with these two films, obviously n- I never saw any of these during their first run in the of theater. Course. I was only a year old at the time. Right. So, so in terms of my initial viewings, House is the first one I ever saw. The Sentinel I saw a long time ago as well. In fact, I think it was actually during my um, run up in Lawrence. I actually think I saw The Entity along with The Sentinel, which... <laughs> wow. Ooh, yeah. A ghost diddling double feature. It was rough. That was just... <laughs> t- kept me away from like the cemeteries Apartments. for a while, just everything in general. Um, so I don't know. In terms of... It's, it's kind of a push on either of those for me. I think because... Um, just to give it a, a shout out, I'm gonna go with the Sentinel. Just nice. in terms of that one, uh, I'm gonna go Hausu. Hausu, because we saw it in the theater. Yeah, and so and I, I had a fun. I had a what the fuck fun time, but I was laughing at Hausu, not laugh, laughing with it. Right, not at it. You know, because it was there are some merriment and mirth and that whole like kind of musical number where they're just kind of like bobbing their head and singing. And I was like, yeah, da, 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 you know, yeah. I had I had I had fun at Hausu, so I'm gonna go Hausu. I'm good. Yep, that's perfect. So let's look at the main one here in terms mm-hmm. of which one do you think contributed more to the horror genre? Well, here's my <laughs> argument. Here's my arguments. Here, three arguments for that one. One, um, between the house suit and Sentinel, <laughs> I know this is going to sound odd, but if they disappeared, mm-hmm. I don't think either of them would be that much of a tragic loss. Sure, sure. You know, that sounds bad, but, you know. In the grand scheme. Right. Um, however, arguments for house suit, criterion collection. Sure. Criterion collection. Sure. 
um, arguments for Sentinel, the immaculate cast. Yeah. Just how many up and comers, genre favorites, established stars at the time. Right. And so that, that, that's a hard one for me. Um, I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to say because it, and I'm not in criterion isn't everything. Right. However, there, I know there are some scholarly articles that are devoted to house house because also house is kind of a response to generations affected by uh, nuclear fallout from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So you can actually see some ties with that as well. More scholar, like you said, more scholarly looking. And so I think because you can put that and you can honestly, you can, you know, in terms of interpretation, uh, pedagogy and what have you, not pedagogy, uh, hermeneutics, I think, is in terms of interpretations, but you can go with all of those. But I think how Sue is a little bit richer because of that, mm-hmm. and therefore I think that is more to the horror genre because I also think it solidifies and legitimizes horror a little bit more when you have those kind of examples that people do hold up and put on a pedestal. So for me, how Sue goes goes it with that. I enjoy your argument. And so I'm going to agree. Okay. So, man, congratulations, Hausu and the puking cat here. Yep. Making its way towards the next round. So Rolling down like a hairball. Rolling down. And let's roll on up then. So shall we go uh, up on the brackets? Martin and Rabbit. Oh, my goodness. So here we have. These are dirty movies. These are dirty, 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 dirty movies. The next four actually are crazy dirty. And this is also where we get into representation of some of the horror masters Uh in terms of where they came from. So uh, the bracket is going to be basically we're going to call it Masters of Consumption. Right. Because as it is like that, because uh, with uh, Martin and Rabid, we're getting represent. We're getting uh, examples from Cronenberg and Romero, mm-hmm. and especially with the Romero, and you're getting representation of stuff you're not familiar with, and also a lot of blood drinking. Yes. <laughs> so which one drinking. do we start with here, Rabid or Martin? <laughs> Let's do Martin. Man, wow. What, right? Wow. Right. So okay. So first off, um, for those of you listening, Shockwaves, Hills Have Eyes. Eaten Alive and Rabid are all on Shutter. Sh- shout out to Shutter. Sh- that's our Shutter shout out. Shutter shout out. Uh, Martin is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So if you want to watch these movies, you have you options. have the access. Don't watch with kids, especially especially the first ten minutes of Martin. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, uh. I okay. So it opens up with Martin, uh, played by. Uh, e- hold on. To the internets, don't worry. Keep going. I got it. <laughs> my phone's over there. Oh, I've got it. Don't worry. Well, I gotta get my notes. Oh, you have to get your notes. <laughs> so it was for me watching. Uh, I would just say this: in terms of when people say Romero, everyone for the most part, when you when you say George Romero, you automatically associate him with zombies, and as he should, he is the one that really, uh, and you know, invigorated energy and life, so to speak, into the zombie genre with mm-hmm. Night of the Living Dead. Well, he's the godfather of zombies. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think of Romero, unless you're us, you think because <laughs> I think a creep, creep show. show exactly. <laughs> you think of Romero, you think like night, dawn, day. Mm-hmm. You think zombies. You do not think of a vampire. You don't think of an awkward vampire. You don't think of Count Cosbula. You know, <laughs> bravo, sir, bravo. I don't think I've ever been. I, I don't think I've ever been more Boy. comfortable watching a series of films as I did with some of our representations of '77. I got so uncomfortable at these movies, especially Barton, because he's so basically he's a vampire. He, well, well, we don't know. That's the thing. None of these movies 
they all they love ambiguity right and I, which is i think is a very telling time in the 70s mm-hmm. because in the 70s nobody really knew their future was certain and no one's going to trust what you were being told right based on again the corruption we're seeing in the government but martin <laughs> okay so like i said he's count cosbula you know he, he really is he basically he he we think he's a vampire. He thinks he's a vampire. It's never really explained if he is or isn't, but he does drink blood, but he eats other food. Mm-hmm. He's in the day, mm-hmm. but he also is a serial rapist. If we boil it down to the anything, he is a serial rapist and a serial murderer. Um, he injects his victims with a sleeping agent, and he just tells them, go to sleep. Go to sleep. It's so unnerving. It is very unnerving. Almost and to the not almost to the point where it was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to watch. Once you got past that initial like, okay, you were kind of like, okay, let's see where this goes Mm -hmm. because now I want to know what's going to happen. Is he going to get his comeuppance? Right. What is going to happen? He needs to get his comeuppance because vampire or not, you know, feeding feeding on humans is one thing raping and then feeding on humans is another thing. I make Cosby jokes all the time. You know, I love talking about Bill Cosby and, and like, not that he's a hero, right, but, right. but like, right? But vampire or not, you still can't go raping people, knocking them out, zobbledy bipping them. Well, I think the weirdest aspect of Martin and in terms of what I think they were really trying to go for is to make you feel some of the um, his alienation, right. his social awkwardness, because what I think Romero does really well is the way it's shot is you get the stark reality of him drugging them, raping them. And when he's raping them, he's like, shh, just go to sleep. Everything. I don't want to hurt yeah, he's you. Like, You're not going to get hurt. You're going to wake up and everything's going to be But fine. it's then shot with this black and white version of what's going on in his mind and his reality. And it's very Victorian. It's romantic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's everything that it's not. And so I really like the fact that you see this shh, this messed up kid. Yeah. And I think you're supposed to try to derive some sympathy <coughs> for it, but, but it's hard to. It really is. I mean, he he is the most awkward vampire. It sounds like a good children's book. The awkwardest vampire, you know? How goes, did he get his social graces? <laughs> he goes to live with Colonel Sanders. Um, Which is such a weird, weird... Colonel Sanders, vampire hunter, Nosferatu, y'all. I shall banish them with my Georgia Golden Seven Herbs and Spices. You know, <laughs> instead of garlic, it's fucking like gravy and like fucking drumsticks and shit. <laughs> I, it, it really works, and we're not joking because no, he, his... he's dressed up in an all white suit, white tie, white corvette, uh, white cane, and he's also it just in terms of showing someone that is also kind of mentally unstable. Yes, he also he's the care he's kind of the landlord of the place that Martin is staying almost like a little halfway house but he's also like get away he senses he knows that martin is evil the first thing he does he goes i will cleanse your soul and then i will destroy you you are a vampire you need to die and another thing in terms of cleansing the soul and dying i really think martin himself the character is very unhappy and i really think a lot of it he wants to die he does he He, does he 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 hates what he has to mm-hmm. do. He hates what he becomes. What he feels like he needs to do. Yeah, and he hates the fact that he's being chased, and he mm-hmm. just has to continue this cycle of rape and eating and murder, and he doesn't like it. What, what, what did he say? He goes, um... There's at one point he says, like, I wish I would die or someone would kill me. Mm-hmm. And it was that at that point, I thought that, oh, my God, that's really rough because he's probably, he's like you said, he's conscious of the fact that he's yeah. doing it. He knows he shouldn't be doing it. But he still... And I felt bad for him. I mean, it's hard to say you feel bad for a serial right. rapist, but at the same time, it this movie is not about... It's not more about what he does. 
it's why he's doing why it. he's doing it you know what it, need is it fulfilling this is a great character study i mean horror vampire whatever this is a good like study into the mind of a criminal yeah and it was i i really after the initial rape I really enjoyed this movie. I know, and that's tough to say, right? It's right. Because it does open up with a right straight punch to your mouth, right? Daring you to continue, but in if the you first, do, in the first minute, it's a brutal, violent rape. And you're thinking Romero, you're not necessarily accustomed to that, right? Um, what I really like when Romero does deviate away from zombies because we get um, the crazies, which mm-hmm. is flawed, I think, more than just because of the money. Yeah, just in terms but, of right. Still a good concept. Uh, Night Riders, which is a really weird one, and Creep Show. Uh, Creep Show, right? Obviously, he, he's not afraid to tackle inner demons. No, and I like that about him. Well, I think this would also pair well with um, Fade to Black, which is another one that's built around just a socially awkward person. But the movie guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't know how to interact, and so they manifest so certain things. And so, yeah, Martin can almost play like a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But man, you have to get through some shit you, to get yeah, to the tragic once, part with him. Once you get past, if 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 you are not okay with seeing violent. It, it was violent. Right? It's violent. Yeah, it's violent. It's, and right? it, there's some. <laughs> you get a mustacheless Tom Savini, which actually threw me off initially. It did. And I was like, is that is Tom? That's, no. that's Tom Savini. Wow, wow, sex machine looks different. No mustache, man. Right. Uh, the gore in it is good, actually. I really it's, like the it gore. Is. Uh, in fact, even the last scene uh, with. Yeah, that last scene came out of nowhere, and I was not expecting that. No, no. And then it just ends, and I'm like, oh. I was like, what again? Just these bleak endings mm-hmm. and that we're getting in these 70s films. Yeah, Martin, this was probably, I've had some great rewatches. This one was probably the most educational, if you will, it, just in it, terms it of looking at it, his his work. And like I said, if you can get past the rape, it's a really good movie, a really good story. It is a good character um, study. As long as as long as long you can get... Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that is, if rape isn't a gratuitous plot point, if it's if, there, if there's a reason for it to right. exist within the confines well, of context and, and, of the and, film... And it does. It, yeah. it does. But, but I know a lot of people don't like to... No, of course and not. So that's why when the movie like this starts off with that, normally I'd be like, yeah, there's rape, you're fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but when... It, I, I wasn't ready for it. No. I was not expecting... I was expecting kind of... Blah, you know? <laughs> I wasn't expecting... Zobble de blah! You know? <laughs> so, yeah, no. So, from Romero... Oh, but one more thing about Martin that I really liked about it... Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that he has no fangs and he has to do the old-fashioned cut. That, also a nice little, little thing. And Dirty Pittsburgh. Dirty Pittsburgh is right up there with like Dirty New York. Yes, it wasn't quite Forty Second Street. It was more like a suburb. It was like Forty Second Street <laughs> Terrace, but <laughs> but I really enjoyed Dirty Pittsburgh. I was like, wow, okay, cool. Pittsburgh was swinging in the seventies. Everything that we watched from seventy seven had a veneer <laughs> of just dirty, grimy. Just every one of these films, we needed everything to shower. Was grimy. Yeah, everything, every one in this movie, it was grimy. Even Hasu had grimy moments. Hasu definitely had grimy moments. Now, th- no, I don't think anything in this in this region was grime free. Unfortunately, no, nothing was really happy. Either. No, there was no happy, shiny people holding hands here. It would have mm-hmm. been happy, shiny people holding decapitated hands and shit. It was right. bad. Uh, so from Romero, let's go over to Cronenberg. And Cronenberg, ah, Cronenberg is one of those filmmakers we obviously are big fans of on the podcast, yes. but he is also one of those that's very cerebral. His films always have depth and layers to them. But this one was funny as shit. 
This one was hilarious. He, I think one thing that a lot of people overlook, especially with early Cronenberg, is how funny he is. How much he has a good sense of comedic timing. The, the, the he was also in Shivers, mm-hmm. um, that played the doctor, mm-hmm. and he also played, I think, one of the doctors in this. He is hilarious. And the part where, like, I, I think it was, um, there's a scene where Marilyn Chambers is getting freaky and, and chaos is ensuing in the hospital, and they just panned the two dudes like, smoking a cigarette oh, and they're in a just... car, eating eating a sandwich. One's looking at them, like, listening to the radio and, like, just jamming, and then it goes right back to the insanity. I, I, I thought that was so funny. It caught me so off guard because I wasn't expecting the amount of yeah. humor in a Cronenberg movie. It is a pleasant rewatch. You don't expect a laugh with Cronenberg, but he populates his character, his his environment with these really kooky side characters. And, but smart, mm-hmm. smart, funny characters mm-hmm. where it's like, I know exactly what I'm talking about. Why are you giving me shit? You yeah. know, it's just like. Well, this is one that I originally saw oh, probably about the same time I started dating Amy, actually. So we watched it the first time, and I knew Marilyn Chambers, of course, from Behind the Green Door. Right. Very famous. You know, this, she was a uh, an adult film entertainer before she made the transition into, uh, you know, more... Right. You know, more, more, more adult, not adult fare, if you will. Right. right. So I love the fact that she goes right into a Cronenberg film. And, you know, in terms of Cronenberg, Cronenberg works on many different layers. You know, he's obviously known for body horror. And this one is body horror as well. Also a virus zombie movie, which Mm -hmm. is very cool. Um, You know what? The kills that Marilyn Chamber did at some of the beginning was very sexy. It was a very sexual. Think about shivers and rabbit. Yeah, no, it's all about sex. It's all about sex. It's all like about like Freud the, the dangers of sex. Because when that farmer's like, "Hey, I forgot me or Philly," and you're like, she's like, "Come on, baby, come on," you know, just like. <laughs> well, I really like the fact that it's kind of a play on because initial uh, Chambers character initially gets in this big car accident. She's at this uh, crazy plastic surgery because this, the hospital wasn't close by, so they gave her an experimental, experimental, uh huh, an experimental skin graft. Which I don't know. God, in '77, were they starting? Was plastic surgery was probably yeah. just getting its yeah. foothold starting? So I don't know if Cronenberg was necessarily. Um, trying to satirize that per se, or if it was just kind of the launching point. But once again, like we've said before, horror is always talking about some of society's ills. Mm-hmm. And Cronenberg, anything can go wrong with the new budding emergent plastic surgery yep. field. And sure enough, some shenanigans, some mad capri, some like weird sexual things happen that's what i also love about cronenberg films is they kind of inspire the awkward boners if you will they do especially like shivers and rabbit they're legitly they're very unnerving they're dirty but it's very something sexual in your face like about it there's no subtext primal sexuality that's what it is it's not like oh she's beautiful and she which most of the like Mm -hmm. most of cronenberg's women in his movies are very beautiful Mm -hmm. and they're very sexual but the way the kills are done in especially especially the older bird uh, shivers and rabbit mm-hmm. it's just such primal sexuality and it's very intimate when it happens mm-hmm. so actually her little thing what happens is is she's got this really weird phallic parasite that shoots out of her like it's on the, her kinda side like a, of the, uh, the not a mandible but um kind of like whoosh, just mm-hmm. like a little straw and it's it's got a vaginal opening looking yes. and that's like you you can't go wrong with cronenberg if you get something that is vague Va- very va- vaguely vaginal vaguely vaginal mm-hmm. big uh, influence on Maude lebowski as it turns out there um no there's um coitus <laughs> Um, sitting here looking at uh, so with Cronenberg I think you've got three classifications there's creepy Cronenberg classic Cronenberg and contemporary Cronenberg 
and this one I think sometimes they're all three mm-hmm. you know but I think his early work especially within Shivers and Rabbit it definitely shows his fascination with the you know the body betraying you and what right. have you but also the spread of the unknown and how quickly it can occur the STDs I mean if you think about it Ra- Shivers could Shivers both, and, and definitely yeah. Rabbit I mean both of them are metaphors mm-hmm. for sexually transmitted diseases and just debauchery and why you, how your debauchery will lead to your downfall. And how, yeah, the sexual revolution was definitely changing. With Don't the- dream it, be it. Well, what's funny is shivers, it basically, the, the, the virus kind of just goes straight to the id. Uh-huh. So some are killing, some are fucking what have you. Rabid, though, it just straight eating. Straight killing. Yeah, consumption eating. again. But by fucking getting in in the first place yeah just transmitting and i like i like the way she dispatched herself mm, it was it was very like you know um, i i'm the cause of this yeah. you're right so if i'm free i'm free if not i got my get what i deserve so it's I, rough yeah i thoroughly early cronenberg this? is my f- is my favorite cronenberg yeah i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed rewatching this no, movie. Rabbit was a really good rewatch. And um, with any Cronenberg, I think you need to have adult eyes to more appreciate what he's trying to do. And that's so. the thing, yeah. Well, I remember trying to watch like Videodrome when I was younger. And, and I'm not like, getting the... Sh- n- n- I hated it. I hated it. I was right. like, this sucks. Yeah, no, me, but me too. Not until I was older and I actually went through puberty, you know, and I started thinking about sex and it's like, where uh-huh. I was like, ah, yes, long live the new flesh indeed, you know, so... <laughs> So let's put it uh, through the ringer and let's okay. get more on Rabbit. No, no, that's um, that's about all I had for Rabbit. Um, I would say in terms of the bracket representation, Masters of Consumption with Romero and Cronenberg, for me, man, this one, I for the bracket, I'm going to go with Romero on this one just because I think this is him. Again, it's not his normal comfort zone in terms of you know placing something with a zombie and the fact that it is so good because with Cronenberg there's other good representations of what he does so for me in terms of consuming for it's Martin for consumption I'm going to go rabbit I'm gonna because she had to eat that's true Martin could have for consumption Martin could have ate he ate people food but he was still driven though he was still driven but compelled but if if chambers didn't get to drink some blood she was gonna die true 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 this is true so for my for the consumption bracket i have to go with rabbit okay i like that yeah i'm so i'm gonna go with martin on that one so let's look at nostalgic feel um for me because i remember watching this first time with amy and it was kind of her first exposure to cronenberg as well and you know when you first ex- right. you're like what you're is not, this no you're not nobody is ready for cronenberg the first and time it's they because see it is so vaguely sexual and dirty you know it's almost like a litmus test with someone as a friend because they're either gonna go you're a creep <laughs> you're, you're fucking don't weird. call me again or like hey so you remember like in that one scene when that guy was on like all fours and another other one was riding in with a whip and a crop. You want to do that later? Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that sounds cool. I wrote some notes. We're good. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I had a, probably a better experience with that one. So just for me, for uh, the nostalgic, I got to go with Rabbit. I both enjoyed my watching these movies immensely. Mm-hmm. I really, really did. Um, I had more fun at Rabbit. Yeah. Um, not to say that, you know, either of them are any good. Martin was harder to watch than Rabbit. Yes, it was. Martin was way harder to watch. It's not an everyday movie. I could probably put on Rabbit. I I would probably maybe put Rabbit maybe every other few years rotation. Sure. sure. Uh, no, so, not I'm not gonna not watch with Martin. Martin. I'm not gonna watch Martin anytime soon. Not that it was not a bad movie, but 
It's Ew. understood. Ew. It's understood. At least I felt not as dirty watching Cronenberg, watching Merlin <laughs> Chambers diddle people. Surprisingly. You know? Right? So I'm going to go rabid. Rabid. I'm, yeah. So let's see here. Let's move on then to what contributed more to the genre. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to, I'm going to go, I'm going to say rabid because rabid is a fantastic uh, example of Cronenberg, Cronenberg style. Mm-hmm. Martin is such a deviation from the norm that I'm glad he made it. I'm glad he got to spread his wings, but Romero is still going to be the zombie guy. Mm-hmm. And so if if Martin disappeared, you'd still have Romero's line of work. Sure, sure. So for representation, for genre, for thing, I'm going to have to go rabid. Okay. And I think, and this is the tough one for me, just in terms of what they did, because I'm kind of on the flip side of that is because I think he went outside of his comfort zone. And it's good to see. And it's, and it's, it's also really a good movie too. Yes, yes. And with Cronenberg, he's kind of doing his thing. He's Cronenberg is actually at this time really building up his body horror, uh, body of work, so to speak. Right. Um, <laughs> and fun. So, yeah. And, you know, even if uh, Rabbit didn't exist, you still have Shivers. He's right. making his way. So for me, in terms of, I think because he went outside his comfort zone, I think Martin is a little bit more important to the genre than Rabbit would be. So I'm going to I'm gonna say uh, Martin. So I so think we're going to have to go to the... Let's go to the peoples. Oh, man. And I... I now, I'm, if we're throwing it out of the people, that means the people's going to have to see it. If you're going to see it, these aren't happy, clean movies. No, no. So and we're, you're going to totally be like, these guys are freaks. Yeah, we're, we're totally creeps and nostalgia right now with these movies. But really, if you're a horror fan, you need, to, you see need these. to see these movies. They're really, really good. I agree. So I would really love to see. You know what? Honestly, I'm not even going to lie. I would love to see anybody's, any, no, anybody's on the, any of the brackets of what they want. What they would yeah. Want. I yeah. think that would be great, especially especially these seventies fun. So we are going to make sure to go to you guys, the listening audience. Rabbit versus Martin, yeah, Cronenberg versus Romero. That's a mm-hmm. tough one. So let us continue with our masters of consumption here, and we're going to go up to our next bracket. And here, here is a really interesting matchup here because we have uh, Wes Craven going against Tobias Hooper, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, with the Hills Have Eyes and Eaten Alive. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! This. <laughs> this was this is another one just again in terms of just the dirty nature of these damn films yeah hills have eyes is probably probably the most well-known of these two uh-huh uh, it's the one that if you asked your someone's grandmother she might may know. have heard it hills at, le- have at eyes. least heard the term the hills have eyes versus eaten alive that's the forgotten romero fl- or excuse me the Hope total pooper flick mm-hmm. so what how do we open up with hills have eyes you know and eaten alive <laughs> let's let's i have a good story for eating alive let's go hills have eyes okay Okay. So one of the things I really dig about The Hills Have Eyes is, and again, just in terms of kind of reflection of the 70s, is I think The Hills Have Eyes is kind of Craven's take on class warfare uh-huh. in terms of the upward mobility, the haves and the haves nots, because ultimately when it comes down to it is you have this suburban family traveling, well-to-do, they're in an RV. Their RV. Yeah, that's a sign of the vaca- times, man. Right. Vacation time means you you have leisure you got, time. Yeah, you got a little bit of extra money to throw on a vacation. Exactly. And then you're pitting them up against people that are literally scavengers. And like just killing to survive yes and yeah. so i love that kind of that that tra- that contrast because ultimately when the shit hits the fan you see how primal we all become right. when it comes to saving one's family and what have you and speaking of primal this is a mean oh god mean this is this movie. is Wes craven yeah this is this is this is no holds barred um, I ain't got nothing to lose, Wes Craven. <laughs> no, this is Last House on the... This is right. him. This is, this is Last oh. RV in the Hills. Oh, last, 
craven it's a tough one and so i one of the things i really like about this also is it was the film that introduced me kind no initially i take that back i saw him initially in weird science but michael berryman showing up here just being a genre icon once again god is the ultimate special effects <laughs> artist I Sometimes mean, when you watch him, you're like, "Who is Pluto? Is he like? Was that makeup? What well, is that?" Because when you look at the cover, it's Michael Berryman, mm-hmm. and he's not even the main worst. No, villain no, of he's the an off- Yeah, he's just one of the one of the well, hill minions. Yeah, one of the kids. Um, but Papa Jupiter, he is intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but to to the fact that Michael Berryman can be on a movie poster, sans makeup, and become an icon is really really. Only in horror, and that's why I love <laughs> it, you know? Well, when he shows up in, like, non-horror stuff, I'm like, holy shit, it's Michael Berryman. That's fantastic. For the longest fucking time when I was little, I swear, I never saw a picture of Michael Berryman uh, with the dude from Midnight Oil together <laughs> at the same time. So for I was convinced. I was convinced. How can we sleep when our hills are burning, you know? <laughs> it really works well. <laughs> never thought about that. I always Midnight thought, like, Oil. fucking Midnight Oil. Michael Berryman is the lead singer of Midnight Oil. Like, good for him. Yeah, he's, like, just, <laughs> boy's got some hidden talent. He's good. Right? That boy's right? good. Shit. I like that song. Time um, is now to pay our dues. Kill the baby. <laughs> Uh, another speaking of killing the baby, uh, another one of the that both of these films have in common is they actually both kill animals, and that's the other thing. I think we didn't mention is the, the weird 70s, thing. Of, yeah, they were there was no like APCA, no one was safe. There was no APCA, so more than likely, if they showed an animal getting killed, an animal really Ooh, got probably killed. died. So, well, that's the other thing. In uh, Hausu and the Sentinel, there are the killer cats as well. Yeah. I don't think we mentioned that, which is really weird. So you get this really thing, but yeah, no, when you're introduced two dogs. And you're like, ooh, ooh one, one of them going to be expendable. That's, uh, yeah. What's happening here? And that's what you ultimately get. And that first initial uh, siege on the RV is terrifying. It's horribly terrifying because he really shows you I'm Craven's not fucking around. No. People will die. People you would think that would, the grandma getting shot. Right. And, 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 um, when, uh, I oh. think Mars was uh, about to rape the daughter and he go, I'll be back. And then just left. I was like, holy shit. I was, Get the baby. I was like, oh, my God, this is fucked up. Well, and the fact they left dad to burn. Oh, Big Bob burning as, like that. As a, as a, um, oh, just as a warning. Uh, uh, no, as a um, distraction. Oh, measure. yeah. Actually true to get everyone out so yes, they can then. That was who plotting hillbillies are the Scary. worst. Yes. Like, like scheming zombies. Yes. You do not want to trust them. No. <sighs> I know. No, there's just uh, there's just something about the fact that and I like the fact that they also are like, you know, we're only maybe a paycheck away from being deprived and having mm-hmm. to do what we have to do to survive. Right. And especially in the seventies when, you know, we you had... could be a paycheck away from living in the hills. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a really, I think it's good early Craven, but it's super mean Craven. It's... Um, <laughs> babies are in danger. I mean, I felt so bad for the baby. I mean, like, oh, my God, this baby really can get eaten and killed. Let's, let's please hope that they save this baby. They yeah. set it up. And that's what I like about, like, Stephen King and Craven is they will kill the they people kill. you do not think right. that are traditionally <laughs> safe. So you're in the hands of a demented filmmaker. Yes. Uh, so let's talk a little about goes from Craven over to Hooper. Eaten alive. I kn- <laughs> this is one that I, the VHS cover always stood out for me. It's a dude with a scythe. You see an alligator, crocodile, what have you swamp great took me a long time to see it and it's been 10 years since i rewatched it on shutter and i rewatched it but your reaction because you had i've never seen this movie 
Okay. Because like you and said. it's lesser known Hooper. Right. Like you said, a guy with a side, kind of crocodile. Mm-hmm. Crocodile looked okay. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'm not going to. You know, I've seen Texas Chainsaw. I've seen Alligator. It's yeah. fine. I'm fine. I, I don't need to see another killer alligator movie. I was wrong. I saw this movie for the first time. Because this is one that you wanted to put on here. Mm-hmm. You're like, put this on, on mm-hmm. instead of that. And I'm like, I've never seen it. You'll oh, you watch it. And I'm like, okay, okay. So, <laughs> my God, dude. This movie. Okay, so I really never, like. When, when when we're watching movies together, I'll be like, <laughs> I'll say something, but I'll never like if I'm on my own, I'll never be like, call you up like, Greg, I just saw this most great movie or blah 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 right. blah blah. I texted you. I'm like, man, fuck this movie. It is freaking me out. And like, I and I'm sitting there, and I I literally there was a scene, there was a part in it where remember the when we were talking about last time we were talking about paranormal activity where it made you yelp like, I ah, physically, right? yeah. I did the same thing. I, 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 and I, I, I'm not a big yelper. I'll, I'm jumpy when right. I watch horror movies because I want to get scared. But I'm never like, right? Fucking Eat Alive made me do that just like that. So there's a scene. First of all, I feel so bad for this little girl. Okay. This little girl just saw her dog get eaten by an alligator. Okay. That's, I think it's a crocodile, but you know, potentially. Right. Crocodile. Crocagator. 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 So it got eaten by a, by a crocagator, right? I think they're even. <laughs> then, then they're trying to calm her down. The dad goes off into this really weird, like, um, goofy, I'm all, I'm all hepped up on drugs. Um, yelling at the wife. The wife was all hepped up on drugs while the kid was. It was funny because she got a pill and like, instead of calming the kid down, she it, I'll take a little bit of that. Thank you. Yeah, I'll take the fucking uh, and kid fuck off. But then she gets chased around by this insane um the Neville Brand Neville Judd Neville Brand is a nightmare. And I don't think he's playing it. I'd like to because he just seems like like that's really him. Like he's just like Toby Hooper just found the craziest dude he could find at like the VA hospital. (laughs) And says, hey, you want to be in a movie? Well, I think I can. Let me go gas the major. You know, just insanity. And there's a scene where after this little girl has seen all these things and she's being chased by a guy with a scythe. (laughs) She's running in the underneath the crawl space, which is scary enough. And alligators on one side about to eat her. And And then there's all these rats. All these rats crawling around her, crawling all over her. You have issues with rats, genius? No. And then she's backed up, and she's already terrified because the alligator's going to get her. And then one or not, Judd comes up, rah, and almost gets her with the with the scythe. I went, I, I leaned back in my chair, like, wrenched up and kind of, like, like guarded. I freaked the fuck out. And I texted him, like, I hate this fucking movie, dude. I hate it. <laughs> How long has it been, do you think, since you've had that kind of reaction to it? It's a been film? a long time. Uh, this was a gut reaction. This was <laughs> a visceral reaction that I got from this movie. This movie, by far, is ten times to me more creepier and scarier than Chainsaw. I think for sheer bug fuckery, this is Toby Hooper's magnum opus. For Kitchen Sink, his best movie, though, I have to go with Life Force. Life Force, yeah. I gotta go Life Force. Yeah. But I just think, uh, what is his name? Nelson Brand? Uh, Neville Brand. Neville Brand. He is unhinged he made this movie terrifying he's legit scary because some of the scenes in the alligator some of them were very cool but well, some of them you could tell were very that and the alligator isn't so much a killer he's like bad. a garbage he, disposal right, basically he was almost the peripheral yeah. thing. he was just like a threat on the background it was really the um fucking uh, uh judd mm-hmm. and then even buck who's here to fuck robert england 
playing a gnarly butt character, which, of course, and when you said, realize Tarantino yeah, pulled right? from that. I mean, the, this one opens up with a rape, too. Well, yeah. an attempted, attempted, well, uh, yeah. attempted butt rape it's, from a prostitute. That's right. And you go, I just want what I paid for, you know? And then it, and it almost pulls the psycho routine. That's, that's what I really got was a psycho vibe from this in uh-huh. terms of just the the put away hotel on the side small town weird shit happens yep kind of like motel hell right as well and then you you think you're gonna stick around with this prostitute character yeah and next thing you know you know it's it's, it's a violent death and then can we also talk about uh marilyn burns in this one i think toby Hooper <laughs> does he have some issues he, i think toby hooper his sole purpose in the 70s was to torture the shit out of Marilyn Burns. Torture and terrify that Just poor girl. torture, because he had her tied up, beat the shit out of her. And those were actually like people physically beating people. I don't know if... That's the one thing in the 70s, especially if you watch a lot of those old biker films, is the violent on violence on women, the misogyny. It's really tough to watch. And, like, it's, and it looks Real, real. I like know. She had, like, like they actually slapped the shit. They pulled a Burt Reynolds and Dom <laughs> DeLuise. Take it again, Marilyn. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think she was laughing. Though. No, no. Um, it's that was when I rewatched it. I was I had that same reaction. I kept like not pausing it, but I would take myself away, going, Ugh, Ugh, "They're really beating Ugh. the hell out of her." And but Toby Hooper has the gratuitous nudity in there. It, and it's not titillating though. That's the thing. It's, it wasn't the way it was in the second one when 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 it was the girl from the bar with Buck and it was consensual. It was very titillating then because that girl. I was, think that girl was rad. Which did that, that pull you back was, into that the? Girl, uh, that girl was sexy. Dustin walked in at that moment and he goes, "What are you, what watching, are you watching, dude?" <laughs> and I go, "It's a horror movie." He goes, "Are you sure?" And I go, <laughs> "Yeah, you got in a good scene." And he goes, "What's it about?" I'm like, "I can't even begin some, some, to recap this movie." Just. <laughs> Something produced by Dino Velvet, I think, unfortunately. Right? But then they, but it made me sad because they showed the monkey dying. Yeah. You know, once, and then they just threw it to the gator. And I mean, and it was an actual monkey that actually died. And I'm sitting there like, my God, well, like, they don't, they don't kill him. It's like he right. died of old age or whatever, but, but, but to see a monkey die is, well, it's the same thing when like, uh, you think of like a uh, cannibal Holocaust and you know, the turtle and everything right. like that. It's seventies were brutal. It really was very again, well, brutal. again, violence against animals, violence against women, kids. violence against kids. I mean, no one was safe. And I think though, just in terms of, again, looking at the current climate of the U S at the time, no one was safe at that time either. Right. You know, it's unfortunately reality didn't give caution to any, you know, no. race, ethnicity, demographic, what have you. It just took you regardless. Yeah, um, and you're going to so, get fucked either yeah. by an alligator <laughs> or, or, or Judd. Right. But no, this movie was, I, I, I hated it, but I loved it. I loved the fact that I hated it. Right. Well, that's the best part of doing this kind of a tournament is we've talked about it before is revisiting a lot of these films or seeing them for the first time and going, number one, how did I miss this? Yes. And now how do I spread it? But also, should I spread it? How do I, who do I spread it to? Especially in the 70s. Because you know what? If you've never seen Event Horizon, I will go, go fucking see Event Horizon. Do it now. It's a good fucking movie. Same thing with like anything from 87, 97, 2007. But the 77, that's why I'm, we're warning you now. This this one does come with them. Go see these movies. But remember, it's the seven. Now, once again, we didn't make these movies; we just watch them. So I, I like that we do have to kind of put a you know just the disclaimer with right? the, with the seventies because no, because the seventies oh, was hardcore and yeah, rough. Yeah, 
And mean, you don't get who? better representations than Hooper and Craven. So let's go ahead and put them through the rubric here. Okay. Uh, in terms of Masters of Consumption with the bracket, you know, interestingly enough, the Hills of Eyes, yes, all of our guys are cannibals. Mm-hmm. So they are human eaters. With Eaten Alive, you got the gator. It's the gator. So I will say, just in terms of consuming something quite literal because of just kind of the analogy he was going for, I'm going to go with Craven on this one with the Hills Have Eyes. I'm going to go with Craven on that one too. Just because I think you just can't go wrong with. Yeah. I mean, a gator is going to eat, but it's going to yeah. eat whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Cannibals eat people. Classic so. cannibalism, man. I mean, you know, you, the, 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 yeah, sure. The Gator ate uh, uh, Robert England and like half the cast after it's done, <laughs> but it didn't do the killing. Yeah. However, mm. if you're gonna eat a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're you have consumption problem. You got a bit of the consumption. <laughs> you got a bit of the <laughs> been poisoned by constituents. <laughs> so yeah, so we're both going hills have eyes on that. Uh-huh. Okay, how about nostalgia then? Eating alive. Eating alive eatin because alive. of that now because experience. Because of that moment, eating without a shadow of a doubt, eating a fucking live. I love this movie. You know what? I'm actually going to agree with you on that one because of my rewatch. Because The Hills Have Eyes, I've seen more often. Right, right. Um, a lot of these films you still have to be in a good mood for, but Eating Alive was the happy surprise. I, I enjoyed it, but it was, again, almost exactly like you said. You're like, uh, yeah. yeah. It's just that exactly. contrast, that cognitive dissonance that goes mm-hmm. on. So I will say actually eating alive for me as well. Mm-hmm. So that being said, which of these two contributed more to the genre in 77? Because this is, you have to look at facts in terms of Hills Have Eyes solidified Craven. Eating Alive <laughs> is a forgotten hooper. For that alone, for genre, I'm going to have to go Hills Have Eyes. That being said... I think Eaten Alive should go through. I'm gonna. I'm also gonna agree with you because I think with The Hills Have Eyes, it spawned a sequel. Mm-hmm. It spawned uh, remake. Remake. The remake had a uh-huh. sequel. Um, Eaten Alive. <laughs> the, the the sequel had a sequel. I mean, and had a remake. Oh yeah. The, the, yeah. the Hills. The original Hills Have Eyes too, gang. That's a tough one to get through. Uh, West needed the money for that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, because Eaten Alive is the forgotten one. I th- it deserves to be noticed in the Hooper canon. It does. But I think in terms of what the Hills Have Eyes did for the genre, what it did for Craven, is it did kind of let him solidify himself as a master in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So I am going to go with the Hills Have Eyes. Yes. So, But I think Eaten Alive should make the way through. I think we have enough votes again on the end of the rubric for Eaten Alive. You want to go ahead and go with Eaten Alive? I want to go Eaten Alive. I'll say Eaten Alive, then I'll go. Well, I'll do a little upset here. You know, okay. that'll freak everyone out. So Eaten Alive... Doing what it needs to do. I loved this movie. Coming I, back I for seconds. Felt dread. Yeah. I felt. Well, um, and it's a. Yeah. That's the other thing. Which films scared you? Yeah. You know. They both. All these movies had feelings of dread. Hills mm-hmm. have eyes. I really felt dread, like the isolation, the loneliness, the weird soundtrack, yep. the whole hillbillies. Because you know I don't want to fucking. You know. <laughs> yeah. But Outdoors. God, but goddamn that hotel. And Eaten Alive mm-hmm. itself. I, I tweeted, between Eaten Alive, Tourist Trap, and Motel, uh, Hell. Motel Hell, I'm never going on another road trip. Come see the world's gator. No, 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 no gator hotel. Fuck you. <laughs> Not going to do it. So my goodness, Eaten Alive, <laughs> Choby Hooper with the big upset over Wes Craven. I like that. I love that. So that brings us to, technically, I'm going to call this one our wild card bracket. Our, our S wild card. The S wild card. S wild card, bitches. Which two totally different flicks, which yes. again makes it the wild card. Uh, we were looking at Dario Argento's 
Suspiria. And lining that up with uh, Ken Wiederhorn's Shockwaves. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and go into it. Suspiria and Shockwaves. Let's do Suspiria. Okay, Suspiria. Oh, my goodness. So we've obviously, we've done a Suspiria episode. Uh Uh, We've screened it at 35 millimeter um, presentation, which to me, that's how you need to see this film. Oh, this is a gorgeous film, especially on the big screen. And this is another international horror flick that we have. Dario Argento, Italian filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, You think of the Jallo movement. Um, In fact, I think most people, when they hear Argento, they think they probably think initially with Suspiria. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a film that took me a few watches to get through to understand it. Well, not even to understand it, but to like maybe contemplate it a little bit more because I don't know if you can really fully understand Suspiria. I don't even think the people who made Suspiria fully understand Suspiria. (laughs) Because it does play like a fever dream. It does. Uh, It's use of colors. colors. The music. The the goblin score is incredible. Uh, No, and in fact, actually what I love with the film is right when uh, uh, Jessica, you know, walks out of the airport, you get the blue... And you're immediately in the dream. Exactly. It looks like she's in another world as soon as she walks out of the airport. It's it's it's, it's breathtaking the it, way he does it. It's it's a such a, and this when we saw it on 35, they had the music cranked, which yes. is how you see it because exactly it adds so much. To, the music it's a character. Mm-hmm. It adds so much to the movie. Um, and just on the big screen, my favorite scene in that movie is when the guy is walking in the um. Is it the, the courtyard, courtyard and with against the oh. super dark black sky and you have that gray marble and you just see that little figure walk through. I was like, that is beautiful yeah. and, and haunting. Scary. Yes. Yes. Uh, Suspiria is a lot. And also, I think kind of it, it's a punishing film in terms of your senses. Mm-hmm. It's just a visual feast. It's an oral feast. It works on so many Overeating levels. Overeating feast, though, because yeah. you're like. Oh shit! What's going on? I'm stuffed, but they keep feeding me. Eventually, I'm gonna start hissing back at them, moving <laughs> much like the dancers in this one, right? Which leads me to believe, uh, with raw and veterinary schools, they're crazy, and with Suspiria and dance academies, yeah, craziness. Well, well, look at Black Swan. Yeah, very much so. That's also kind of a take on yeah. their little body manifestation. But uh, again, Suspiria is all about witches. But it doesn't. It doesn't even need, I think, a narrative for the no, most part because right? it serves. It's visually storytelling. Yeah. I mean, even if you even if you you don't play it on mute because you need to hear the right. soundtrack with it. But if you it, mm. even if it was in like a different language and you didn't read mm-hmm. it, you could still get the gist of the movie. Well, that's what I love with those good old Italian films is basically they have everyone speak in their native tongue mm-hmm. when they're when they they're actually shooting and then they dub. Yep. So I can only imagine how hard that is if you are you know you're speaking English and you're working with someone speaking Italian in terms of trying to get the character beats mm-hmm. and the emotion that has to be tough there. Uh, no, Suspiria is one of those that it did take me a while to to to, to get through, but now it's it ranks right up there for me. Yeah. and it's one that you you do need to see in a theater Yo, as loud as you definitely. can, and especially with a crowd. Um, other thoughts on. Suspiria. I think if you really want to know what we think about <laughs> yeah, Suspiria, go check out just the, go back, check out the last part, the la- a couple of back episodes, but because yeah. we really gush into it, and yeah. talk, we go into details. And it was with our so. buddy Adam Roberts, who is mm-hmm. super fan on Suspiria, which leads us to Shockwaves. Now, Shockwaves, this was a good one for me because. I've seen bits and pieces of Shockwaves. But you never seen it full through? Oh, not all the way through. I saw it. The first time I saw it, I think I was like about 10 years old, and I fucking loved that movie. Wow, really? Yeah. yeah it, it, I saw it edited on TV. Nice. 
and which is it, it didn't well, even, it didn't even take, take away, away a lot of it because no. a lot of the scenes there's a lot of gory deaths and I want to I will talk about some of the ones that I'm like holy mm-hmm. shit um, but it really didn't take a lot of you could watch this movie on and, yeah. although I hate fucking edited movies, sure sure but if it was on TV you're not necessarily getting right. a lot taken away from yeah. it so when I first saw it when I was ten I was like this movie is great fucking Nazi zombies yes. You know, I wish they would have killed more. But then I watched later, and they're like, "This movie is still great." And then rewatching it again, I realized why I loved this movie. What is it? What is it? It's, it's genuinely scary. Mm -hmm. It's a genuinely scary because they're they're zombies, but they're not brains. Zombies. They will. They're drowning you. Mm -hmm. And you know me and drowning. I was just about. Is it the the water element that adds to the uh, the terror? Yeah. Okay. Just to one. To know if I trip and fall in water, or if I like, or if I'm swimming and I, I drown, that's one thing. But to get drowned mm-hmm. physically, somebody drowning me, that's, that's rough. Well, it's yeah. just so much against you. I think that's one of the biggest fears people have is the 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 the, the thought of drowning. Mm-hmm. Uh, just ugh, it's a quite an awful thing. Now, this was actually a pretty enjoyable rewatch for me in terms of the first one because I didn't have any expectations except for Peter Cushing. Which I'm like, oh fuck yeah, Peter Cushing. He did great. Yeah, well, he's kind of. I don't want to say he's like a Robinson Crusoe. Yeah. just like get off my island. He's you only see him. He was probably top, there for maybe four hours, of, you know, when they shot his footage yeah, in that he's long. He's top bill because yeah. you know he's, he's Peter, Peter Cushing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's in a movie for literally only five minutes, and the yeah. half of it's like walking on the beach, saying. Damn it. He, he kind of yeah. plays the Pleasance role, if you will, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Nazi zombies are great. But the only thing with it is when I was watching it, it was, I was really reminded of this movie that came afterwards. But it's kind of a little bit more fun. It's called Raw Fury, which is also about um, people traveling to an island, these zombies coming out from the water. But these zombies are all like samurais, ninjas. It's it's a really it's a bug fuckery film as well. Um, but it kind of reminded me more of that because I'm not saying I didn't really you know, identify with the characters. Right. But I think that was probably the weakest part of the film for me is I just didn't feel for him. I looked at him as like fodder. Fodder. Yeah. I thought of them as hatchet. Like okay. Hatchet. Much like a, almost like a slasher trope. Right. In terms of they exist to die. Right. Exactly. Especially the annoying husband. The husband. No. Just like, well, I'm going to go tell the captain. We'll go fucking tell the captain. Please, I see what happens there, man. Um, So I'm looking at my notes that mm-hmm. I took during, which is weird for me taking notes. I was going to say, this is, a, I like right. to see that inspiration there. Right. I was like, well, if we're going to talk about these movies are too fucked up not to write notes down. <laughs> right. Um, One of the things for Shockwaves I put, they're not Nazi zombies. They're an army of underwater Michael Myers. They were silent. They're silent. They blend in so Perfectly. You're watching the panning shot and then something moves and it's one of the Nazis. And you're like, that guy was there the whole fucking time. And I have to think that they got the East German diving team to do it. <laughs> the, the albino Third Reich diving team because they held their breath for oh. so long that not even air bubbles were popping out. And that was the most impressive thing. I'm like, you are literally underwater for like 10 minutes. You're watching. You're looking for that kind of stuff. Right? And you see them like goose stepping under the water, which was like crazy because like it's hard to goose step regular and let alone not that i goose step i was gonna a lot. say now genius not, not that i goose step a lot but i mean i'm, I'm, I'm like look at me i'm goose stepping like if i'm making a joke it's hard to do underwater even harder um the music was had really good music but there was a lot of bad stings yeah richard einhorn did the uh composed it which and it's very synth heavy and i think it was one of the first ones really synth heavy as it was and there's some really good effects uh, musical effects and cues and really good shots like when they first all like one head pops up the water 
and then another one and then another one another one another one another one another one another one i was like wow and then when they're all kind of like walking and then they just stop oh yeah and they look and then i could just hear right so that's another one um they had good kills i i liked i liked the especially the swamp um, when the when the man gets his comeuppance, the the husband, the husband, because he's just walking along, the zombie comes out of nowhere and in one sweeping movement brings him down, and he's just gone. He's gone. Just, whoosh. I was like, oh god! And another one that like when the old cook. Now I think I think cooks and kitchen workers and all the things in horror movies are just fodder, always fodder, always will be. Sli- sleepaway camp. That's true. Uh, a, uh, any Friday the Thirteenth movie. Anytime there's a cook, You're they're good dead. Is gone. When the cook died and he fell on the urchin in oh, his yeah. face, and that looked real. I was like, "Holy shit!" That's a horrible way to go that out, man. Because you know someone's gonna have to pee on your face to, you know, right. like neutralize the uh, the poison or whatever. We'll just call R. Kelly. Yeah, that's... so he we're good. He's fine. Or maybe Buck from Eating Alive. Who knows what right. he's into? Trip, trip, trip. But um. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I loved Shockwaves. Um, I had fun with it. I had fun with and it. And two more things. One, <laughs> the the lifeboat that they use is Bonaventure. Oh God, Haas Bonaventure. Bonaventure. Yeehaw! It's perfect for the wild card category. <laughs> Very um, true. And the main girl is a treat. I wrote that down. Main, main girl, girl is, is a treat. treat. Take a drink, y'all. So she was beautiful and yeah. she was funny and sassy. Yeah. So. Yeah, I you know what one thing I've noticed all the main women in the these movies are extremely gorgeous. I mean like 70s beautiful. We 70s talk about beautiful. 80s beautiful. Yeah. There's something about 70s beautiful. Uh, I still I'm telling you I still have the Pavlovian thing regarding like hairnet and just a lot of excess hair Big so hair, right? it happens right, it right. happens. But Marilyn Chamber in 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 Rabbit was oof, oof. but the main girl in Shockwaves. And you know what? Shockwaves I'm glad it's now getting love. It's the, getting arrow it's got an arrow mm-hmm. is it arrow? I believe Arrow put one out. Either, either that or maybe Severin. But it got the boutique Blu-ray treatment. The, mm-hmm. the soundtrack was put out by Mondo Tees, I believe. Uh, podcast or Shockwave oh, yeah. Pod- Shockwave I mean, Podcast. So, yeah. yeah so it's, there's a, it, it's, got, it's got a little cult following. Yeah, and, and I think people need to see Shockwaves. I think, I, honestly, everyone needs to see any of the films that we've, we've listed here. The ones that are um, honorable mentions. Just yeah. anything in general. Anything anything having to do with this bracket. Yep. As a horror fan, you You owe it to yourself. To, yep. Mm-hmm. If you and if you haven't watched it in a while, man, rewatch them because that's the best part. So I waxed philosophical shotways. Do you have anything you want to add about? I, it was enjoyable, but like I said, part of me was constantly thinking other zombie films because within the water, I was thinking of a uh, zombie lake. I was thinking of um, zombie with the you know shark versus right. zombie. Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking of a lot of that initially without really focusing on the merits of the film itself. So I enjoyed it, but it wasn't one that stood out for me. Right. It wasn't my enjoyable rewatch. You had your whoosh, Buck Flowers yeah. moment where you're out of the movie and, uh, yeah but I, I wasn't totally out of it but i was just like yeah i was wishing it was a little bit more right. and that's okay though and that was with me like with yeah. buck flower yeah. i wasn't totally out of it yeah. but i was like eh. okay so yeah yes. so to the rubric to the ringer in terms of wild card as a bracket man you know which is the better movie with an shockwaves S? shockwaves because of the hospital adventure wild card the, i can't can't argue with it's always sunny in Philadelphia logic like that. Wild card bitches. Yeah, we'll give that one to Shockwaves. Nostalgia feel for it. I've always loved Shockwaves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've always championed this movie since I was little. Um, that being said, I had the best time seeing Zasperi in the movie theater. 
I've never seen shockwaves in the movie. Theater. Neither have I. So I really, I have, I can't. I, uh, can I plead the fifth on this one for right now? Sure, sure. Okay, okay. I'm for me, it's easy. It's Suspiria. The 35 millimeter screening was where it really clicked for me. Got the chance. Oh, got the chance to see people react to it. I saw there was a guy God next to me. It, was Katie. like, she's messing with you. Yeah, she she's is. like, I need an answer now. Uh, so for me, you know, seeing Shockwaves on you know my TV is one thing. Seeing Suspiria in the theater, I got to go with Suspiria for the nostalgic feel for me. You know what? I'm gonna go Suspiria. Suspiria. I'm gonna go Suspiria. Fair enough. Because fair enough. We did have a really good time in the theater watching. It was good. And you know what? Nostalgic factor. Like I said, I've always loved Shockwaves, but actually getting to see it and host it with you, yeah, has a very special place. It's in nice, my heart. man. Aww. So for, Aww. So for all the all the feels here in the '70s, look at that. So for heart, I'm gonna go Suspiria. Nice. Well, how about what what one contributed more to the genre? Mm. In my heart of hearts, I want to say Shockwaves because mm-hmm. it is an under is under under uh, it seen is. gem, it is. and people really should see it. I think it's a fun, uh, good movie. But Suspiria, Suspiria, yeah, Suspiria is a classic for a reason. Suspiria has got its 4K restoration for a reason. Hopefully, coming up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, we've got a lot of zombie films. Hell, we've got a couple of Nazi zombie films. Yeah, we've only got one, one Suspiria. Suspiria. Yeah. So for me, in terms of what contributed more, I mean, it's Argento, you think, of Suspiria. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with that. So that being said, I think Suspiria is going to go on. I want to say, if uh, you know, I I can understand Shockwaves, but to me, it's just, it's it's Suspiria. Yeah, I will agree with that. Perfect. So uh, to recap our brackets versus Shockwaves versus Suspiria, we have Suspiria. Which? Versus Hills Have Eyes and Eaten Alive. With an upset, we have Eaten Eaten Alive. Uh, Rabbit versus Martin, we throw it out to you guys. And Hausu versus the Sentinel, we have Hausu. So, um, this, these movies going up to each other, it's going to be very difficult and very fun to talk about. That's the best part of this. Uh, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain. We've already recorded the first portion of our 87 Scream 16 round, and a major upset did happen. Yes, it did. Uh, so, yes, it that's did. the best part of this in terms of you know the debate and the discussion we get into this. Um, again, you guys would love to hear your thoughts on all of these, so please hit us up on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, Nightmare Junkhead on Facebook. And let us know if we're right on, if we're right. full of shit, if Which, we forgot to talk about something, if you want like oh man that you you forgot out the best part when blah 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 did blah 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 let us know let us know let us know healthy debate man you can't go wrong so technically this wraps up our first round yes we got it for the first round so um to recap all the winners right let's do it let's do it for 77 we have suspiria we have eaten alive we have audience we have the hasu in 87 we have evil dead 2 going up against hellraiser and Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors versus Prince of Darkness. In 1997, we have Scream 2 versus Event Horizon. And Wishmaster versus Mimic, which I think is going to be one of That's going to be, be a, a really good, good monster right there. Right, right there, man. Yeah. I love we have that. And finally, 10 years ago in the 2007 bracket, 30 Days of Night making the, another big upset there. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Wreck, of course, coming out on top on the found footage with Trick or Treat as an anthology going up against Wrong Turn 2. That's going to be a good one, That's going to be a good one yeah. as well. And so, you guys, we do have members of the Phantom Podcast Network going to be joining us for the Scream 16 and then some other fantastic podcasts as well joining us in the Hateful Eight round. After that, when we we go into the Frightful Four and Championship round. It's actually going to be up to you guys. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, looking forward to this, guys. So again, the next week we will have the uh, first uh, episode of our Scream 16 and Hateful Eight rounds. Look for that. So until next time, guys, this is Greg D. And I'm Genius McGee. And we will see you in your dreams. <laughs>